Welcome back to the Everything is Lessons podcast, an inventory of wisdom. I'm your host, Ryan Curlbaum, and here we are, <laughs> the long-awaited first episode of season two with my dear friend, Heather Nichols. Heather is the perfect person to start season two in many ways because she is one of the wisest people I know, and we met during a financial planning course, which you'll hear about Uh, which is pretty funny, in 2014 and immediately hit it off when we realized we were both struggling uh, to not charge anything uh, as we hung out for a drink after each class. Since that time, she's become one of my wife's closest friends, and I'd like to think I'm not far behind. We packed a lot of life experience into eight years of knowing each other, between the Sunday meals and laughing together and traversing difficulties, sharing holidays, raising kids, and ultimately growing as people. Uh, When you meet Heather, you notice something beyond her Midwestern hospitality. Her strength is quiet and her voice is confident. Her spirit is calm and wise, and her love and support of her family and friends is perhaps her greatest gift. She is generous beyond measure. Heather sees things with great perspective and immense purpose, and she is a friend whom you measure all others against. She's there for you no matter what. And during the conversation today, you're gonna hear a lot about how she talks about defining your beliefs and values and establishing what is truly important to you. This conversation has been resonating with me in a lot of ways ever since we had it because Heather is someone who provides equal parts, hospitality and charcuterie, banter and laughter, fine wine and fine conversation. This is a person who makes you comfortable and then challenges you to be better. So let's kick off season two with my conversation with my dear friend, Heather Nichols and her lesson, let it go. Let's see what she can teach us. Here we go. Hey, Heather, how are you? Welcome to the Everything is Lessons podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, We are kicking off season two tonight with you. Uh, You are the big inaugural first guest, um, the person who will set the tone for the entire season. Your thoughts on that before we get started? Super, super. No pressure at all. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. Really looking forward to this riveting conversation. (laughs) It will be. It will be riveting. Um, well, thank you for joining. Um, this is uh, you were like the first person I wrote on the list uh, when I was thinking about doing this again. Uh, it's been 18 months, and I'm so glad that we can actually do this. Um, but the the way I always like to start these is I like to remember like how we first met, mm-hmm. and and we have a good story actually for this. Um, we met during a Dave Ramsey financial peace university class. Do you remember that? Sure do. I sure do. When we broke all of the rules that we were being taught within the first class, the first hour of meeting each other. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but the thing that was my most vivid memory was when he did a whole session on why you should never lease a car. And then we went and grabbed a drink afterwards and did not pay in cash. We charged it. And then we, <laughs> you guys are like, hey, do you mind um, hopping in our leased car? <laughs> Sweet. <our> leased car. 
which is when I knew this was going to be um, a great relationship. Um, yeah. um, but that was really a fun way to, to think about it. Um, but one thing I do like to do is I like to write. Um, I know you really well. I think we've known each other for eight years, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I was trying I to add it up. Long? What, 20, 2014, 15, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know you really well, but maybe some people don't, um, which would be hard to believe. But uh, so I like to write these things about people uh, as a kind of way to introduce you and get your background on how you ended up in Boston. Uh, so this is what I wrote. Uh, when you meet Heather, you notice something beyond the hospitality. Her strength is quiet and her voice is confident. Her spirit is calm and wise. Her love and support of her family and friends is perhaps her greatest gift. She is generous beyond measure. Heather sees things with great perspective and immense purpose, and she is simply a friend which you measure all others against. She is with you, or she is there for you, no matter what. And wow, yeah, well, it's true, it's true, um, and I know that's awkward, but it's helpful for people listening to know that about you, um, because that's just who you are. Um, but I wanted to start um, with a little bit of a background now that people know you a little bit. Um, but I always like to know, like, how did you end up in Boston? Sure. Um, I am originally from Wisconsin, a little town called Kenosha. Yes, there is a song that goes with Kenosha. No, I will not sing it. Um, but I came out to Boston for college. Um, I went to Emerson College for their journalism program. I thought I wanted to be the next Katie Kerr. I had convinced myself that I was just going to take the broadcast world by storm. Um, and thankfully, the beautiful thing about Emerson is they make you start taking major classes your freshman year. So as soon as I got in front of that camera, I was like, nope, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly pivoted to a political communications major um, where I felt much more comfortable being behind the scenes um, and graduated, stayed here, and I've been here for almost 20 years. Wow. Never look back. Never look back. Um, well, the show uh, is called Everything is Lessons, as you know. Um, we try to highlight a different lesson from each of the most important people in my life. Um, you are definitely one of those. Um, and these lessons are, you know, far ranging and, um, but I try to always keep it to three words, as you know. Um, so I wondered if you could talk about what your lesson is today and then what the history of that lesson is. Sure. My lesson is, uh, let it go. And my three-year-old daughter happens to love Frozen. So it is not from that reference, but it goes nicely with my life in its current form. Um, <laughs> And I would say the the genesis of this was really sort of when I moved to Boston. Um, I grew up in a very conservative um, Christian environment, uh, an evangelical church. And I went to a school that was connected to that church. So my whole world was pretty um, insular, I would say, uh, until I came to Emerson, um, you know, growing up. I spent all my time either at the church or around the church with those friends, with those people. The adults in my parents' life were, for the most part, belonged to that church. Um, and so being in a city um, at, in Boston, a fairly, I would say, 
forward thinking, more liberal, progressive type of a city. And then in college, on top of that, Emerson was a very, you know, arts, creative, mm-hmm. um, pursue your passions type of school. I was around people that I had never, I'd never met any people like the folks that I met at Emerson. Um, and more to the point, I met these people and they were all wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were completely different than me. Mm-hmm. They didn't believe what I believed, but weren't judgmental about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Were incredibly accepting, were so different and so, and yet so wonderful and okay and fine and living a happy and fulfilled life. And I, it was a little bit of an eye opener about, wait, all these things that I have grown up believing were the absolute truth. Mm. Like, are they? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of when I started this process of letting go of the rules that I had either been given or prescribed to myself, frankly, um, based mm-hmm. on how I grew up. And that's kind of where it started for me. Wow. You know, I think um, I love doing these and it was such a good reminder when you sent that lesson to me because uh, we all know about the great theologian Elsa who's saying, let it go. Um, <laughs> uh, Elsa Arendale, you might look that up. The um, But the thing about let it go that's so interesting is that when you said that, I thought it was going to be about something completely different. And I think that's so valuable about these lessons is that they hit people in different ways because I think like let it go the way I took it was like it was about like forgiving somebody or like letting go of resentment or moving on from something um but this was obviously way off from what you talked about um and when we were like exchanging notes back and forth um you wrote me something back that I thought was kind of amazing and I'm going to quote you if you don't mind I don't often quote the person I'm interviewing but here we will. Here we'll, we'll do it here. Um, you said, uh, letting go for me isn't so much tied to resentment or forgiveness, but rather giving myself permission to trust my instincts and move toward the things I want without fear or some eternal consequence. To feel the range of feelings and desires I have without guilt or shame and to build a community that's reflective of the values most important to me. And I think that's just a, a kind of beautiful way to talk about let it go. And I just wondered, like, you talked a little bit about the formation at Emerson, but but how do you feel like you learned? How did you learn that? You know what I mean? Like, were there specific experiences beyond Emerson or was it just kind of a gradual thing that you picked up along the way? I think for me, it was um, mostly an internal letting go. I mean, I'm, uh, those of you who know me well, including you, know that at least the way I grew up and to a certain extent still I I'm a rule follower I like to know what the rules are I'm good at that it feels safe and comfortable and easy frankly if you know what the rules are just okay just obey them um and so for me the process of letting it go was really giving myself permission to um be a little bit afraid of breaking some of those rules or letting the rules drop um I mean, it seems so silly, but like I'm at Emerson, you know, I'm around a group of peers who are having a difficult college experience. And I was like terrified to have a drink before I was 21. I did not drink before I was 21 because I was so, no one was sitting there looking over my shoulders being like, "Uh uh-oh, is she going to do it? But I was so conditioned to feel like 
what's going to happen if I break the rule? Um, Mm -hmm. That for me, it was really just figuring out how to take the leap of faith to let myself break the rules and not with any, obviously not with any consequence or any major life altering consequence. No felonies. No no, felonies were committed. No, no, no. It was like (laughs) very low stakes in comparison to the challenges you encounter in life. But um, I was just so wrapped up in, um, maybe not wrapped up in, but I was so used to life being breezy when you follow the rules and so mm. afraid of what would happen if I broke them or if I created a different set of rules that wasn't wrapped up in a religion um, for myself. So I just started to do that a little bit. I explored with different types of churches when I came to Boston. Um, I, like I said, had built relationships with people who were not like me and um, who seemed to be really happy and loving life and had healthy relationships of their own. And so slowly it just felt like, okay, I bent this rule or made a new one and nothing bad happened. So now I'll try again with something else and keep Mm -hmm. trying and keep trying. And over time, um, it's, I mean, it's obviously still a process, but now I feel like I have let go of a lot of that, um, I don't know, just, book that I had for myself that was really holding me back from not just doing the things that I wanted to do, but feeling the feelings that I wanted to have. I felt such mm-hmm. guilt about even having certain feelings. Um, the number one thing my therapist talks about with me is like, feel angry. And I'm like, it just seems so wrong and useless. And like, why? <laughs> but um, yeah, feeling what I want to feel, doing what I want to do. Yeah. Spending time with people and being part of communities I want to be with and not because like, we shouldn't be associating with those types of people or whatever it is. Um, and, and so it's definitely been a process and it's an ongoing process um, of just letting things go. Mm. That's, that's so good because I think, um, and we were emailing about this, but I think there's this like really interesting part of your story that you are like unlearning some things, like you were mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. raised to follow um rules that were great and well-intentioned and well-meaning but in a way like as we get older we have to unlearn some things um we have to re-examine some things um and in that i think like when that happens that equals growth like mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and i feel like you are a person who has taken those experiences learned from them and like turned them into wisdom in a way and then that wisdom is in turn like helped you live better um and so I wonder, like, for you, that that process seems like it's ongoing and, and that's important, of course. But I just wonder, why do, you, why do you think it's so hard for us to unlearn and kind of grow? Like, we know that there's probably things in us that we need to reexamine. Um, but I, I just wonder, like, why do you think that's hard for us, like, to, to unlearn where we grew up or unlearn, like, the kind of lessons that we were given over time or as we you know, maybe it were as children. Um, and and then like when we do that unlearning, then there's this growth that happens that helps us become like who we actually were made to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in, in my case, I think part of it, the difficulty was if I hadn't left my community back in Nosha, I wouldn't have really had to ever encounter anyone who had different opinions than I did. I think mm-hmm. now more than ever, you know, there wasn't even really social media when I was growing up, but now more than ever, it's just easy to tailor your life such that you're surrounded by 
people, communities, ideas that reinforce your own. Um, so I think part of the issue is people aren't forced to be in different situations where they're encountering different opinions that challenge what they believe. Um, I think part of being wise is surrounding yourself with different people and perspectives. Um, and then I think the other piece of it, again, for me was it was really, it was easy to keep going on the path that had been working for me. Mm. Um, I had a relatively conflict-free, stress-free life growing up. I had a great childhood. My family was amazing. Um, the church community was great. I, I didn't know anything else because that's all I knew. Um, and it was following the rules was working for me really well. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's almost harder when things are going really well to force yourself to examine um, your choices and your beliefs because it seems to be working out um, in many ways coming kind of coming to Emerson and having that experience forced me to just re-examine things because I was being confronted with wait x plus y isn't equaling what I was taught it was going to it was supposed to equal right right so now I have to figure out why that is and what I believe about it um so yeah I think it's really just being being forced to sort of surround yourself or or encounter people who aren't like you or people who believe different things than you do and also um taking that leap of faith to be what feels comfortable and knowable um i just think think about things from a different perspective yeah well i think it's it's really interesting because it's like you grow up and you you find like a, a rhythm that really works for how you experience life. And you 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 kind of don't know that you don't know. And then there's a moment where you like you re, you know that you don't know. Yes. And that that is the whole like that's the moment where you're like, oh man, <laughs> there's I actually don't, you don't know, know everything. Anything. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. It that's like a super humbling moment because the second you know that you don't know, um, you become like instantly humble because you yeah. realize like almost always you know the least <laughs> in a conversation in a job situation with another person with another person's background um and i think that's a really like powerful moment of unlearning um yeah it's also just you know there are very few points in your life when you're really forced into a completely different environment i mean yeah, as an adult exactly. unless you're switching a job or going to grad school or you know, maybe your kids are going to a different school and you meet a new set of people, your life is pretty constant at a, at a certain point. So yeah, finding, having those moments of like, oh shit, I, like, I did not even think about it from this perspective is kind of rare actually. Right. Right. And I think, I think that's like the part of unlearning that's really powerful in, in your email that you wrote me. But the other part that I thought was really good was about like once you unlearn something, that's when you really grow because those that's when you start to like, it's almost like we yeah, gather. That's when the work begins. Yeah, exactly. Like that's when you, in a way, like you are gathering like little bits of all these people that you encounter in life and they are like shaping you. Um, I talked about this in the trailer, but like they are shaping this container that you're building for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, a really important moment. Like I, I shared this with you. Um, 
but I had this moment similarly where I, I, I kind of started going back to church later in my life and it was a quite a conservative place and they had a very specific view on a lot of very specific things um and just like how you talked about like when you went to emerson you met people who you'd never met before um why well, I, I was working at this um soup kitchen with kelly and we met um this guy who was an amazing person who happened to be gay and i remember we went out one night and we were just talking and i just to hear his story and like his process of dealing with you know his sexual orientation and like how it has like shaped him into who he is and how he sees himself and his identity um and it just being so completely different than what i ever thought you know what i mean um it was literally like scales of like falling off my eyes and i was seeing people the way i was always supposed to see them you know what i mean and so i wonder like you know that's just one kind of issue but a bigger scale it's like it seems like life just operates almost always in the gray you know what i mean it, like very little about life especially sociocultural issues is black and white and i just wonder if you could talk a little bit about like how you have learned to really live and thrive and kind of find wisdom in the gray does that make sense yeah um i think for me it goes back to that place of um unknowing and just not really walking into many situations feeling like oh i've got all the answers um that is not my posture anymore and i think it's honestly probably a bit of an maybe an overcorrection from my my upbringing where i was so sure that i was right about everything i had all the answers this mm. is the one source of truth I'm good. So glad I don't have to worry about any of this stuff because I just know the path for my life. Um, obviously, once I realized there was so much I did not know about my faith, um, that I I was um, I now go into most situations not really feeling like I have all the right answers or. Mm. Um, just being much more open to listening to what other people have to say and open to their hearing about their experiences without um, placing judgment on it from the start or having an opinion about it even. Um, I'm definitely not perfect in that area, but I, it is something that um, a friend of mine actually observed that I tend to have an allergic reaction to people with very strong and absolute opinions because I'm embarrassed mm. that I was that way once. Um, oh, wow. That I was, I had, all, I was the person with all the answers. Um, I was so sure of myself and obviously it all ended up being very wrong and very different. And so um, I think my shame about that has now manifested in me having a kind of an allergic reaction when I hear someone being like, this is the answer. This is the one way that's going to be um mm. so i try not to be that way myself anymore um because life is great there is, i mean people are people right it doesn't really matter uh I, I don't know i i do communications for work in my profession and one of the things that you know we're always talking about how um how do we want to talk about like our company and how we feel about our employees and like we want to say that we see them as people we don't see them as employees and we see them as 
workers in the hive. It's like people are people. Um, and so I think when you just approach relationships and community as that, then and you can do the work. Exactly. Together. Yeah. Together. Well, and that's that's the growth piece, right? I mean, I think the older I get, the more I realize like how important empathy is and like being able to relate deeply with somebody and that when you like develop that connection with people like that's really what matters because as you just said like you realize like quite quickly like the posture you need to take when meeting with anyone because you don't know what they're going through you don't know what happened on the way into work you don't know mm -hmm. what's happening at their house uh there's so much you don't know about walking in their shoes that just the simple act of just saying like this person seems upset i'm sure there's a good reason for it you know what i mean like let me let me let me let me walk slowly here um or just ask them are you doing okay or whatever it is um i don't know that that just struck me when you were talking like that like the more empathetic approach towards people people are people they just want to be treated and valued like anyone else does that's that's what we want um I think that's a very potent and important thing that you said. I mean, I also fail at it all the time. I, you know, I'm sitting in traffic for an hour getting to work and whatever. Ticked off at something I hear on the radio or a person cutting me off in traffic or get home and, you know, Isla, my daughter, is just being a three-year-old who hasn't slept and I get very frustrated or snap with my boyfriend or whatever. I'm not yeah. perfect at it by any means, but I think... Um, yeah, once you realize that you really don't know much of anything, it is easier to approach people with empathy because, yeah, everyone just has a completely different experience than your own. And there, yes, there are many ways that are similar to each other. Yeah, that's yeah, really good. I, um, I think, you know, this is a show where... <laughs> I just I started looking around and like seeing all these people I was surrounded with and realizing, you know, not only had an, do I have these amazing people around me, but I never really like sat down and like talked to these people who are really amazing and like figured out like mm -hmm. why they're so wise. Um, and I think like when people hear this, I think they'll like understand the formation of like why this wisdom or at least why I, I why you are so wise to me. Um, but I sent you this quote from this. Um, and this author I know everyone probably knows Adam Grant who wrote this book called Think Again but it's a little bit about your lesson in a way because it's about um, knowing that you don't know in a way um, and he has these two quotes that uh, from his book called Think Again which I thought were I, I'd like to get your response to um, one is if knowledge is power uh, knowing what we don't know is wisdom uh, so we've been talking a little bit about that, the knowing what we don't know. The second one that's really good, I think, is um, it's a sign of wisdom to avoid believing every thought that enters your mind. It's a mark of emotional intelligence to avoid internalizing every feeling that enters your heart. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one. <laughs> that's a that's a hard one. That's well, yeah. you were talking about feeling earlier, like let yourself feel things. But th this one's saying like. You can feel those things, um, but it doesn't always have to equal what you think it equals. So yeah. I just wondered, like, when you hear that, those quotes, are there any, like, ideas or thoughts that come to mind of that were 
this process of letting it go that you've been talking about kind of works together with the quotes? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, once you start realizing that you don't know, or I'll just speak from my own experience, once I realized that the particular religion that I grew up in um, was one perspective and not the absolute truth, I had to then go and do the work of figuring out what I did believe. You know, I think mm. a lot of people, um, even people back home, assume that because I, you know, because I am not a part of a formalized church anymore, I don't have a faith. Or because I don't do certain things I used to do, I don't have faith anymore. Um, that is not the case. I, I, I am a person who still believes in God. Um, my faith just looks much different because now I, then I had to go and do the work of figuring out what I actually did believe so mm. I think letting it go isn't necessarily for me um like throwing throwing uh my faith or religion or what I believed about I mean everything it's you know obviously a lot of the issues that come with people who grew up in environments like we did you know what do you think about marriage what do you think about sex what do you think about um sexual orientation what do you think about the politics um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not just throwing all that stuff out the door and saying it's not for me it's just doing the actual work of figuring out what do I believe about those things who am I right um when I don't have a set of rules in front of me that mm -hmm. are telling me what I need to do and feel and be um so I think the doing the work part is hard but it's mm -hmm. necessary and freeing um because now I do actually know what I believe and who I am as a person in a way that I never did um, when I thought I was so sure about all those things. I think the not internalizing um, your feelings is hard. It's something I'm working on a lot in therapy. I'm a big run of therapy. Everyone should have therapists. <laughs> They're yeah, great. That's, that's why I do this. <laughs> this is part of my, my own therapy. So. Um, and that's a lot of, you know, what I, I am a person who needs to be needed. Um, mm -hmm. I take on the feelings and emotions of people around me um, as if they were my own. And so feeling responsibility for people and things and even having thoughts about myself um, that become part of my identity, even though. It's just a passing thought. Um, it's something I am definitely working on. Um, still working on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, you just you just dropped some huge um, truth bombs in there. That the, I love those questions. You just like went all in a row. Um, what do I value? Who am I? And what do I believe? And a lesson like that I have for my own self is do the work. And and I that's one of the three word lessons I have in my own life. I've written about that before, but it's uh, it's so important because until you understand what you value, you don't really have an operating system. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you don't you are responding to everyone, and you're not um, you're reacting, and you're not responding. If that makes sense, like mm -hmm. you, you're you don't ever have a kind of compass to I know as cheesy as that sounds like you don't feel it really have a compass like directing you because you don't really know what you believe in or what you know what it 
what it means to be who you are. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. Okay, this is good. This is good. Um, <laughs> this is this is all really working. I knew you were going to be great. Um, I mean, it it is easier to let those those feelings and, and sort of thoughts go once you do know who you are. Um, it it is always hard. I, I think especially for people who are tend to naturally be people pleasers um, to not dwell on the things that I mean often your inner monologue is like telling you the worst things about yourself <laughs> it's never yes. like yeah you did so great today yes. um so uh, yeah it's just a, it's something that I and many of the people who are in that community are working on yeah. <laughs> together I, ju I just read so this people pleasing thing and then we got it there's two more questions but yeah, I gotta I gotta tell you this <laughs> um I just finished this book called soundtracks it is so good okay. and it's by this by this guy named john acuff he is uh very funny and an excellent writer but this whole thing about soundtracks is all about it has a lot implicitly to do about people pleasing because the soundtracks are really about like what we tell ourselves about what we're going through in life and the kind mm -hmm. of sometimes these things can be so negative the soundtracks mm -hmm. can be so unbelievably negative that we never give ourselves a chance so I should start a podcast. No, you shouldn't. You don't have time. What are you going to do? Sacrifice work. You know what I mean? Like the soundtrack mm -hmm. just goes. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a people pleaser, oh, I, I have to. I have to do that. Kids, be quiet. I go to bed. Leave me alone. I have to work on this thing. I have to please this person. It's really important. You know, that's the soundtrack, right? Yeah. Um, and I think people pleasers have super loud soundtracks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is that was a big, um, like literal letting go moment for me was just learning how to say no to things because I was always the person that would take on and take on and take on and take on at the expense of my own sanity, frankly. Yeah. Um, and honestly, having Isla really helped with that because you literally just don't have any other time. Um, but it was something that I could see myself flipping with, you know, I went, I went back to work after maternity leave and then it's like, okay, so now I'm adding work back in and, oh, I can add that like other standing activity in and, oh, I can add this person in for dinner on Tuesday. And it just, I could see it all mounting up in my head. And so figuring out how to say no, um, and frankly, letting the people around me know that I was doing that. So they weren't like, oh, wait, where did Heather disappear to, right. um, having a really good group of people who, I do want to invest my time in um, and keeping that group, frankly, narrow really helped yeah. with just yeah. being able to let go of that idea of myself as someone who everyone could go to for everything. And I always wanted to be the person who could say, sure, I'll take care of that. Or yes, I'll definitely help you with that. Um, and being able to say no without feeling like I was letting people down was, mm. was another aspect of my letting go journey. That's so good. Well, I, I think just having, a friendship circle that's narrow and deep is yeah is really good that's good i wrote that down as you were talking okay i have two more questions um the first yeah. one the first one is about um is about mindset and i think this is a little bit what we were talking about with the soundtrack thing but um you know one thing i'm learning is that i i think wisdom comes from a life a, uh, from living life from an experience um not necessarily just from age. Like I think you get older and you have more experiences, but you could have a lot of experiences when you're younger and become just as wise. Um, and so I just wonder, like, 
if you could talk a little bit about, we've talked about how you've experienced life up to this point, but like, how has your mindset changed when you think about letting it go? Like, do you, how do you feel like you experience life differently? I don't plan far in advance things anymore. <laughs> um, I think hmm. from a very young age, I was a person who always thought that I knew exactly what, I always had the five-year plan or whatever the plan version was. You know, I knew pretty early on in high school, junior high, that I wanted to go to journalism school. I was accepted early admission to Emerson by junior year, so it was off my plate. I already had my internship and job lined up after college. Wow. I don't do that anymore. Um, mm. Because I think, even though it kind of did work out, it was, I left no room for, there was no room for adventure spontaneity I mean I did fun things but it was like my life was so planned and scheduled to the T and I had such an aversion to deviation from the plan that I was a pretty I became kind of like a rigid person like I wasn't really adaptable or able to like roll with the flow very much um Mm. and so now I think I'm a much more I'll be at my job until it's not fun or workable or working for my life. I will live in this house until we outgrow it. I will, (laughs) whatever it is, like, it's just, uh, I think I'm a much more, or at least I like to think I'm a much more kind of go with the flow person. Um, And I think, again, part of that comes from me not having this belief that there's like one right way to do life and Mm -hmm. if I mess that thing up something terrible is going to happen there's so many different paths I could take and they'd all be fine they'd all work out I would be happy in all of them and so there was sort of the pressure off to pick the one right thing and stick to the one right plan um that has been very freeing Mm -hmm. you were speaking right to me with that whole I I, I read all Kelly always like rolls her eyes when I go to the library and come back with like 36 more. I call them personal development books. She calls them mm-hmm. self-help, mm-hmm. self-help books. Yeah. And I'm I like that like, rebranding of the self-help category. <laughs> that personal growth. Um, <laughs> yeah. She, she, I come home with those and she's like, what doesn't that like make, I'm, I like read them and I'm like all charged up and I like get excited to do something and then it kind of fades or it's like you should do this thing or you should write your eulogy or you should read this every day or you should say this mantra you know what i mean like it's always like yeah it's exhausting so many takeaways and then i wake up or i'm not sleeping or i'm like crap i missed it or and i heard this thing but i heard johnny cuff speaking about it he was saying like when you're younger People always say, well, you can't do that until you know more or until you're you're older. Just wait till you're older, wait till you get more experience. But then there's a moment where you like, you go to do it again when you're older and they're like, you're too old. You've missed the mark. You're way past your prime. And he was like, when was that moment? (laughs) When was the moment when I was ready? Uh, Was it like on a Tuesday? He like makes this long joke. It's funny. Um, It was on a Tuesday and I missed it. It was at noon. but it's it's so funny we like we plan we try to plan so far ahead like that we don't give ourselves any margin you know what i mean like we don't give any you said yeah. spontaneity you said yeah uh you know kind of the ability to be more free to be more available um 
I think that's all really good. Yeah, and once you know, as if anyone ever knows who they really are, but um, to your earlier point about figuring out as best you can, like who you are and what's important to you, I, I have now come to, you know, the work that I've done to figure out what's important to me is my community, it's my friends, it's my family. Having a group of people around me who I can mm -hmm. care about, invest in, and do the same for me is the most important thing in my life. And so then it becomes easy to filter everything through that lens. So it's um, even, frankly, down to career opportunities. Like the job I have right now, while it's not perfect, I have maximum flexibility, which allows me to be there for my daughter and my friends. And that's really valuable to me. Could I be somewhere else that's, you know, whatever, more professionally fulfilling, probably. Um, but this is working for the priority that I have for my life. Um, right, right. So it becomes easier to let go of the things that don't serve the purpose of building a community that I want when I know that that's the priority for me. Right. Yeah, that's well said. Okay, last question. Um, I always like to end on this, um, and this is like the Ask Heather section. Um, so I always like to ask um, how you would advise other people who are struggling to learn to let it go. Um, we've talked a lot about the unlearning, like the productive unlearning that you've done and how that's led to growth that maybe you never thought you would find. Um, but I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about or speak to people who who are struggling to kind of let go or unlearn some things. Um, and then finding that growth on the other side, maybe you could just offer some advice. It's knowing that what usually when people are hesitating or when I was hesitating to let go of something, it was because I was afraid of what would happen on the other side of it. Um, mm -hmm. And I was always imagining the worst possible outcome, which in no case ever came true. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's realizing that whatever you think is going to happen if you let this thing go it's probably not going to be that bad and even if it is there are people in your life who will pick you up and help you work through it um mm. find those people get those people if you don't have them because um you're going to need them but also it is not in my experience it was never as bad as i thought it was going to be when i let go of that thing and frankly i found something much better on the other side of it mm. um it wasn't all roses. There was definitely challenge and there still is challenge on the other side of some of those things, but it was never as bad as I thought it was going to be. And all the people in my life um, were like the saviors that I needed to help me get through it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I mean, back to what you're saying earlier about like having a narrow and deep pool of people mm -hmm. around you. Um, I think that's a really good challenge because when you invest so deeply into other people, if they're kind and good and generous, like you, they, you would think they would be, they're going to be there for you. And yeah, I mean, our group of friends has gotten each other through uh, like everything. Yeah. Death, medical illness, divorce, um, joblessness, needing a place to stay while your house is being renovated. I mean, there's just, I think we're lucky um, and not everyone has what we have, but if you can find it, there's really nothing. I don't think that our group of friends could go through. We wouldn't be there for each other and get, exactly. get people to the other side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to end. Um, well, thank you for this time. Um, 
I wrote down a lot of really good things that you said uh, about just doing the work, about recognizing what you value, having a really narrow and narrow yet deep pool of people around you to help always be there for you no matter what, to help you let go of things, to unlearn productively, um, and to really find growth, unexpected growth in a way, on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was really great. Thank you for having me. Thank Do lots of heavy editing, please. <laughs> no editing. And I would necessary. like to go out to the soundtrack. From <laughs> okay. The okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. What a refreshing and clarifying conversation with Heather. I hope you found that to be a kind of beautiful framework for establishing who we really are and what we believe and, and what we value. I just found that this whole lesson of letting let it go is just such an exciting and uh, thought-provoking way to start the second season. And uh, I just really love the idea of, of doing the work and trying to figure out what we believe to productively unlearn from our past. Uh, that, you know, that unlearning, if it is productive, helps uh, help us grow into who we are made to be. And, you know, I, I, I dug in a little bit in a couple of spots there about people pleasing and how challenging it is um, to let go of these kind of soundtracks that other people tell us or that we have in our head. Um, just to, to, to really underscore that um, the, the value I think that Heather has brought to that friendship and hopefully to all of you that um, I just think she really teaches and implores us to be brave and wise um, and to pursue truth and belief uh, in a way that establishes our values with, with some certainty. Um, but the other thing I thought that was really interesting that she talked about was that at the same time, we're still leaving space uh, to be adaptable, that we don't have to plan every single thing uh, in our lives and that we could see rules and that maybe are being uh, either put on us or surrounding us and we can see them as either destructive or productive. And if we could discern the difference, it seems like we really... Um, could find a way to, to seek growth in an intentional way. And I think that that's the kind of idea that um, we're holding on to some sort of expectation that something's going to happen in a certain way. And then when we go through that experience, we become wise because we know next time we go through that experience, we'll have a different mindset. So here are, are three questions that you may want to write down, may want to think about this week. Um, I always find it useful to have something to take away. Uh, question number one, what do you need to unlearn in order to grow? What do you need to unlearn in order to grow? Question number two, how could we plan less to find more margin? How could we plan less to find more margin? And then the last question, in what ways have we become too rigid and how could we become more available. So if you are feeling brave, uh, 
please uh, share your answers with me. I'd love to hear them. You can DM me on uh, Instagram if that's the best way to do it. Um, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, this is a show I think that is really, really exciting because I, I learned so much about people and I try to share that with all of you. So hopefully you are finding some wisdom in this conversation with Heather. So we will be back in roughly two weeks uh, with another guest as we continue this quest to find wisdom uh, all around us. Um, thank you for taking the time. We we just ask again that you uh, share this episode, that you, you like it, subscribe to the podcast, and even rate it if you feel so inclined. We'd, we would love to have you continue to follow along on this great journey. We'll talk soon. This is the Everything is Lessons podcast.